Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Reddit Club Podcast. This is weird if you're watching on video because I rarely do these. You have no idea how long this took. I'm here with my friend Kenneth Leslie. He is the digital marketing manager for Ammo Man, and I'm excited to hear the backstory. I've paid attention, but a lot of people don't know who Ammo Man is yet, right? That's right. Not very many people. <laughs> hopefully after this. That's right. <laughs> so I know you've got season one out. You got season two coming. Yep. You got a lot of hints online and stuff. Uh, let's talk about the origin story of you, and then we can dive into Ammo Man. But I want to know behind the story of Kenneth. Yeah. How'd you end up here? It's actually funny that we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Nope. <laughs> after all this time, we still Don't haven't. Don't look at me like that. We still haven't touched on it. Yeah. Um, well, my kind of way into the industry was definitely an odd one. I was finishing up school. And I was not sure what I was going to do. So I was thinking, I think I'm just going to do the military thing. I'm almost positive that that's what I'm going to do. And it was just a bad time, I think. And a lot of the guys I talked to were saying, hey, like, we love that you want to do that. You'd probably enjoy it. But we would recommend you doing your best to not hmm. do that just because of the political climate. That's right. And you don't know what really is next for you in life. Just take a second and think about it and see if there's something else out there. Cause what year was that real quick? 2019. Oh yeah. <laughs> so for the craziness. Okay. Yeah. And so for me, I was just thinking, okay, well, I know I want to do things with guns. I've enjoyed doing this. I've been training for a while. I like doing all this stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I was lucky enough to get connected to um, the owners of a company and they were like, well, you know, we own this company. We sell ammo. Would mm -hmm. you like to come and shadow Chris Baker, who does the content marketing. And yeah. I was like, sure, I'll do whatever whatever I can do. So it really just started with doing like... It was like an unpaid internship situation? It was paid, okay. but it was okay. paid really little. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I had just told myself before, I was like, God, I don't know how this is all going to work out. I'm going to give myself um, three months at a time, three months at a time with no sort of progress. And if, if I hit that three-month mark, I'll just join the military and, and I'll wow. be happy to go do it. But if in those three months... I get some sort of progress anywhere, then the clock restarts. Huh. And so that's how I went about it. And within the first three months of graduating, um, I got the job working for them. Holy and God. so it was just, like I said, it was just like low level labor type stuff. <laughs> sure. And Chris Baker was like, hey, I really have no promise of anything. I honestly don't need any help with stuff you'd want to do, but if this helps you and maybe I can give you advice and maybe just mentor you a little bit and help you on whatever the next thing is, right? then I'd be happy to right. do that. And so I was like, deal, like done deal. How indebted do you feel to Chris? Um, quite a bit just because, <laughs> because he was willing to let me uh, have input. Yeah. And so I had a, I have a background in photography and very minimal in video so when I came to Chris, he was like, well, can you do videos? And I was like, no, not really, but I can do photos. Mm -hmm. And so he taught me a lot of just how to do camera work and how to run videos and how to light things, how to do some audio stuff, cool. how to film specifically in and around guns, how to frame things. So for me, it was like a huge education. Yeah. And then slowly but surely, you know, I was there 
with that company for three years Mm -hmm. and it just kind of took off for me and was a huge uh, stepping stone to the next part of my life, which is now Ammo Man. 100%. Now, I know I want to dive into all that, but this is is the story that's fascinating to me is that there's not a lot of people willing to do the small paid gigs or get a foot in the door and do the hard things, right? There's not a lot of people that are going to sacrifice even three months. That is no time. Like I told myself, like when I got started on my own, it's like, I'm going to do a year of this. I'm going to show up to every event, every match. I'm going to like meet people, invest in myself. Huge money suck right yeah. but like it pays off how much yeah in the well i mean for me it was it was three months because i was looking for an excuse to join the military gotcha. so for me it was just like i'll do my best <laughs> the college try i'll do my best to get a, a job in the industry and i was pretty confident i was like oh, i've seen guys do this before where they join the military mm-hmm. get to go to a lot of cool schools they get to meet a lot of cool people get out, hopefully don't get hurt, hopefully don't get killed, hopefully don't you know mess up your career doing something stupid, get out, and then now you've got some some footing to stand on, For some sure. some sort of expertise in some area, even if it's yeah. something niche, and then go from there. So that was really why I picked three months is because I was looking for something to just not work out. <laughs> and I think that the Lord was just like, no, I'm going to, I want you to do, I don't want you to go into the military. I want you to do this thing. Yeah. And so- yeah. I don't think it would have worked out any other way. And so, and again, it took me like about probably the fir- first year and a half, almost two years to actually have true footing with that company yep, yep. and to feel like I've earned my spot at the table and I now have responsibilities and people rely on me to do this thing, whatever yeah. it was. And so by year three, I finally had like a groove and then then you transition because there's something, right. there's other opportunities. So right. I think people, you're right. People just don't want to put in sweat equity almost the amount of effort that's probably required in order to get somewhere. I mean, I've got a lot of people who have reached out and been like, Hey, I'd like to, I'd like, oh, I'd love to have your job. Your job seems right, awesome. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, it is, it really is awesome. But are you willing to do some of these other things that are not glamorous for the small Small no. little bit. And I am because I would be doing this like I've talked to Chris about it. We would be doing this whether or not we'd be like it would be our hobby. So yeah. if you weren't paying us, we'd probably still be doing this. So <laughs> just very lucky to have be somewhere where they want to pay to do it. Yeah. So first year and a half um, for people watching that don't know behind the scenes, even if this podcast, you guys just spent a lot of time and effort into making this beautiful. So thank you. I, I think that a lot of people don't see the work that goes into gun photography and videography because it's overwhelming. Like when I yeah, first saw be. you and Chris doing the ballistic data, having mm-hmm. the sun shield, the lighting, the chronograph, the laptop plugged in, the power outlet, like, yeah. whoa, how much of a learning curve was that? of you like did you do google youtube did you yeah so the ballistic testing is a whole nother animal (laughs) because when i got hired on chris kind of walked me through hey here's how we do our our ballistics testing with lucky gunner here's how much we've invested in it here's how much it's like what the value is to us and why we continue to do it here's what it offers the consumers and customers and just any person ever who wants to look at this data here's why it's like important to get it right. Yeah. And so that began the discussion. We had to sit down and really think about it. Like, okay, should we really be doing, you know, clear ballistics? Should we look at doing organic ballistic, ballistic gelatin? And so, and that was probably two and a half years ago now. So f- my whole second year with the company was basically spent doing research <laughs> on organic ballistic gelatin Golly. testing, Yeah. how to do the recipes, how to, 
have sound test data. He was researching how to film it all, how to compile the data into something useful to someone and to really figure out, did this negate what we did in the past or is it complementary, or is it something else entirely? And so it just took a lot of work to figure out like, okay, cool. All of the testing we did is still valid. Here's how we're going to make it better. Mm -hmm. And then looking at, you know, online and seeing who else is doing this and being really disappointed with like how many people are doing ballistic testing without any sort of like, it's just not valid. It's just not valid testing. And so that's an encouragement. And I think that he's going to do well with that in the future. um, Because I guess a little hint, I did figure it out. We did figure it out. We figured out how to do sound testing and we had kind of explored that um, during the end of my tenure there. And so he's got some really good content for organic ballistic gelatin, but it does take a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of pouring through forums, a lot of um, calling people who work with ammunition companies, looking at their test data. um, Three letter agencies. Manuscripts, (laughs) a lot of that, a lot of phone calls and emails back and forth. And then just really searching through books and looking at who did all this original testing for the FBI and looking over those and figuring out how we can... um, copy that in a really good way and then how to film it to where it's entertaining yeah yeah it's gotta be entertaining i think for a little bit yeah so wow it's an animal for sure it is a lot so okay when did the brand for ammo man come about like when was like the talks of that and then did you kind of get this idea or is this a team collective thing yeah so it was probably beginning to middle of the summer this year Mm -hmm. and they approached me and they said Hey, we like what you've been able to do with Lucky Gunner. We like what you offer to Chris. Is there any way that you would like to come and help us out with our brand? And I looked at it and I was just like, I don't think there's really much that would pull me away mm-hmm. from what I'm doing here. Um, but they offered me more freedom to kind of create something new. And so for me at, at this point in life, I was just thinking, I think this is what I need to grow personally because yeah this will be a good step for me. And so they have a team there and someone there sparked the idea and was just like, Hey, I don't know what you have planned, but when I see our brand name, we look at ammo man, we just think that that kind of screams some sort of superhero, <laughs> something like it's, it's, it's an actual yeah. character. Yeah. You know, cause before it, I'll say this real quick is like, they didn't really have a brand identity or like a spokesperson or Kevin, Kevin Creighton had been heavily influencing just how that brand looked and felt and the quality of information and so he laid a really good foundation for like yeah. a credible source for people to go to for ballistics and self-defense yep. and inching closer to that like tactical space without completely crossing over yep. um so when i came in i was really just looking at everything that he had already laid the groundwork for and then thinking how can we how can we take it, like, it fun. Yeah. up to the next level, whatever that needs to be. Yep. And I think just between our ages and experiences, it was already a restart with me being so far yeah. below. And so I can kind of revamp a lot of things in a new way. You've done good. Um, You've done good. You stuck a pumpkin on your head. I stuck a pumpkin on my head. That was for <laughs> the moment, but it really was just like, I'm teasing <laughs> a bunch and I'm not putting out a lot. Yeah. It's Halloween. What are we going to do? And so... <laughs> It all worked out. <laughs> What's the, the weirdest thing you've ever done for content with any company you worked with? It's just some of those weird days. <laughs> um, 
probably just like smelling like pig bones and <laughs> messing with organic gelatin for stuff smells so bad over fourteen hours yeah. in a day sitting sitting in a back room mixing organic gelatin for <laughs> three four days solid just to make enough blocks that's crazy that's probably the weirdest i mean there's yeah. there's other things i I have to do i used to have to do a lot of shopping errands <laughs> for random things we need for a photo shoot like oh we need uh twenty cans of creamed corn. <laughs> And a small tabletop that looks like it's from the 60s. Oh, my gosh. And we need a lamp stand. And you're just like, I don't know where I'm going to find this. I'm you're going a dude, to, too. That's, what a, that's a task for a man. Going to all these thrift stores. <laughs> we need a very particular T-shirt. So those are the weird parts of the job so where you're funny. driving from, like, one end of the city to the other yep. to go to a consignment or a thrift store just to find some stupid abstract piece of I love this for you. Decoration that you're going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a fun one. Well, I like the progression that you made in the industry though. I think it speaks volumes to like being willing to try and learn. And then honestly, mentorship was a big thing. I think oh, yeah. a lot of people lack mentorship and, and just asking for help or even reaching out to people that they like watch or idolize. Right. Yeah. Majority of the people are probably going to help you in this industry, especially. Yeah, I think that's. I think that probably is true. I have encountered some of that. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, I was just lucky to already have been surrounded with people who were very vested in gun culture, whether it was a military background or self defense, whatever. And then I got so lucky to be my, you know, my first boss and mentor is Chris Baker. It's just like it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. So for me, I just felt lucky that I already had the correct connections. Sure. To not get lost in a lot of the minutia. Mm -hmm. Like, so just for me in my life, it's like I already came in, and now that I'm in a position to have some sort of authority, I know who I do and who I don't want to kind of play ball with. Yeah. So I think that helps out because it's very easy to get kind of caught up in keeping up. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> have you, uh, have you been to Shot Show? I haven't. Okay, I haven't. I haven't. That, that was one of the very first things in my mind. I was like, I don't think you had. I, I haven't. And there were discussions of it, but I came in right, you know, pre and during COVID. Yeah. And so that was just kind of like not a thing that was sure, sure, like sure. important at the time. Is that a dream bucket list item? Um, or is it just something you think is still work? I think it is very useful to those who have connections that they want to build because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people still go there and yeah. it's where everyone's at and it's a good time to get those meetings in yep. and build your community. But for those who already have that, I question the validity of going. Sure. I think as a, like a brand and a company, if you want to have your purchasing team or people who are going to do business, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. For me personally, I know that I could very easily go both ways. I could enjoy myself, have a good time, talk to a thousand different people, mm -hmm. and just as easily get really overwhelmed and <laughs> overstimulated and probably be done by like day one of no walking way. the floor. No way. It's so, so much fun. And I'm sure it is. And I still want to go. Yeah. I do want to go so that I can experience it. Yeah. But I would just not be surprised if, if, that was, yeah, if yeah. I was like, wow, I've looked at the exact same thing for you know two days so oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't there's so many floors so many rooms um i was curious about that have you been to nra mm -mm. okay so we're, that's is where i'm going is like your next progression i think is some of the big you want me to go to all the shows so, yeah, I think you, and i think that to. that's important I, I i've always at least when i came onto the brand i think it's important to be visible and be accessible more than anything yeah 
So I want to be accessible to people and the customers and <laughs> the NRA is a people um, watching event. And yeah. And the shots are just like normal, safe ish people. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. When, so for people listening to, we went to CanCon and that Correct. was a public event. Correct. So like that's one of the only. I can't even think of a time that I went to another public show other than like the NRA had their range day. Right. Um, Cause everything I really do is behind the scenes, writers events, mm-hmm. you know, shot shows kind of private, then a range events. So for me, CanCon was a people watching experience from the public. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it definitely can be. I think for me, all of my. Which you are, I'll just say that it's like to consumer, you're B2C more than B2B. Yeah. I, my, my industry people experience is very one-on-one and very like designated like hey i'm used to going to be with this person at this place and accomplish this goal Mm -hmm. so there's kind of this predetermined agreement like okay you're worthy of my time and i'm worthy of yours and we're gonna do this thing Mm -hmm. unlike when you go to like some industry event where it's kind of like a zoo (laughs) and everyone is just kind of like just trying to get theirs so you really have little control over how all of that goes together. So for me, it it still is kind of a little overwhelming when you're like, okay, there's a lot of people here yeah. who want to figure out how to get what they need. Sure. And so sometimes I like the public events because there's just there's just a good mix of everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I still see value in talking to um, anyone about anything. Yeah. And I got a lot of connections who I'm just like, yeah. I just want to know what you think about this. And they're like, oh, I'm not like, I'm I'm a nobody. I don't. And I'm like, that's fine. Just tell me what you think. Yeah. And that helps me. I think that's more important for Ammo Man, though, to talk to the, the consumers. Like, what yeah. are they carrying? What do they have at home? What do they like to shoot? I mean, and we know most of the common calibers, but still, there were some really cool, like, gunho AK guys. <laughs> there were some guys. That's me. I hunt yeah. with this. And he was so yeah. excited to be there, right? It's like, yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, You don't own a suppressor yet. Technically, I do. It's in jail. It's in jail. Okay. When, okay, because I have to talk about suppressors. We went to CanCon. How, yeah. I mean, so what's your first suppressor that's sitting in jail right now? It is the Silencer Co. Scythe TI. <laughs> the one you won? Yes. <laughs> that's not fair. Okay. Uh, just like shrug. I won the Chimera 300, but I won mine. <laughs> winners are winners. Know. We don't know. Um, winners are winners. How different was it for you shooting a suppressor? And I wanted to ask, like, what... Like, why would you want a suppressor for you personally? Like, what's your usefulness out of them? What are you going to look for in the future? Maybe what's your goal? Uh, so for me, I mean, that wasn't my first time shooting suppressors. Sure. I've shot a lot, never owned any, just because you work for a company who has a plethora of guns and toys to play with. <laughs> they don't go home with you. Yeah. There's, I mean, they can, as long as you don't, as long as you don't lose them or get them stolen, you know? So for me, I had anything I ever really wanted to play with. And so there was at least, and I'm also, I'm, I'm in my 20s, so I'm not yeah. rich. So yeah. I can't afford, I can't afford Stupid expensive things like yeah. that. So for me, it was like, okay, I can play with everything, see what I want, and then save for whatever is going to be the first one I get. I just got lucky at CanCon. You didn't get lucky. It was good. It was deserved. It worked out. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah. And I was grateful that they gave me a suppressor yeah. for shooting. That's yeah. that's ideal. So like for you though, is this going to be something where if, if you were getting suppressors, like home defense, the actual suppression of the sound, is it more of the recoil? Is it like, what, what is it about you that attracts you to like suppressors for usefulness? To, to me, it's a mix. I think personally, I'm just like in that whole category of like, you can prepare for these worst case scenarios, mm-hmm. whether it's home defense, self-defense, 
end of the world, whatever you gotta, you gotta fight this, you know, giant force. I like all that stuff and it's fun to me, Yeah. but I also, I'm just like, it can also just be like, you don't have to have a reason. Sure. It's like a tattoo. Like yeah. it can have meaning, but also it doesn't have to, yep. and no one has to tell you yep. that it has, has to. to have. Yeah. Like so it. for me, it's, um, on the realistic side of things, it's really cheap, really just a signature reduction and a little bit of like ease of shooting. That's about all. Weight. I don't want it to be like too heavy. Yeah, you got the titanium. Um, so to me, it's that's really like a priority to me. But on the opposite side, it's like if you're just doing it for fun, then I think you just have to really fight to get noise reduction. Yeah. Because that's just the most fun. Like, yeah. Just yeah. a quiet can is more fun. It makes you giggle. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's just a blast. So for me, it's like you have to have the context in order to make a decision based off of that. And so for me, it's like my first priority is like, is it rugged? Does it reduce signature? Does it make shooting easier? Um, did you shoot the forty four Magnum from Tyon? I believe I did. Yeah, I have. I really. Like nothing. I shot quite a bit, so I don't even remember. Rachel and I both flipped out of it though because okay. we shot this suppressor and it's titanium. That's like their their thing, but it was on a forty four lever action, and we shot it, and it was subs plus suppress. Nice. And it sounded like a less than a nice. twenty two, and we both had our jaws it. dropped. Like we we're just like, what? It's wonderful though, like CanCon, CanCon, because like I went crazy. I had zero suppressors last year, zero. I won't tell you the number I have now. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot. It's disgusting. Um, but it was something where going to this event, I'm like, oh, now I shot that. I'm in love with that. Holy cow! So it's just little things like that that I love though when an event gives me that feeling. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that really, not rarely, but it is a nice surprise for me being in the industry, touching so many different guns, suppressors, ammo, whatever. It's like, oh my god pauses me and I'm like this is what it's all about yeah I think that's awesome because I think it's very easy for me to be like unimpressed yeah and so usually I I it takes me something really really kind of unique or special or just something that I get enough reps on for me to recognize the difference because it was pretty much I show up to CanCon and I'm like well I've never shot this many back to back yeah so for me it's like that one's cool that one's great yeah. that one's great love that if I went back to number one, I wouldn't remember that I had shot it. Like I would have just been like, this is great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all cool. So, so that for one someone, was memorable. You didn't have a memorable moment. Not even the 50 cal can. Oh, the they were, okay. Yeah. So the unique ones. Yeah. Doing shooting the, the 50 cal bolt gun. That was, that was impressive. That was awesome. 18 and a quarter suppressor. Yeah. That was the link of that. Yep. That was cool because I didn't even know it was like possible. <laughs> And yeah, also, accurate. it really was just like, wow, I've always thought about shooting a 50 cal. I didn't think about doing it from a bolt <laughs> gun. gun. But I was like, okay, so number one, it can be done. Number two, I could probably shoot this back to back and not even like really think about it. Like yeah. it was so comfortable. <laughs> Everything was easy. It felt good. I was just like, wow. No, no. So my that was one of those like mind, yeah. you know, wideners. 100%. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to talk about the photography and videography because we kind of skipped around it. Okay, let's talk to the newbie. So the newbie listening to the podcast right now that maybe just is struggling to create content. How easy is it for them to start? And then I also want to talk to like mid-scale and maybe the high end mm. of stuff. So can you talk about the progression of gear, what really matters? I think on the audio and photography side of stuff. Gosh, the audio one, that one, that one sucks. Make because, sure you charge your audio. Yeah, for sure. I still make mistakes. No, I make I a ton of mistakes. I yeah, yep. I, I don't always forget to bring extra batteries or charge my <laughs> microphones. And sometimes I don't have a cameraman and I'm just filming some rep from Daniel defense with my phone. 
and that's lost footage. We're not going to talk yeah, about it yeah. or use it. Um, I would say for the newbie, um, I think the barrier for entry is as low as it's ever been. I think like a lot of people don't realize that your phones are very capable. Like I'm sitting here talking about how I had to film on my phone and it was bad. <laughs> it really was that bad, but it's not the phone's fault. The tourist video, it's I, my fault. I tried so hard. I, without the microphone on Chan, yeah, lost footage. <laughs> yeah, but all that being <laughs> yeah, said, yeah. I think I think phones are very capable. And someone who wants to share their interest or hobby, whether in this industry or other, mm -hmm. you can write using anything. You could even write using pen and paper, yep. and then do that on your laptop later or on your phone if you had to. There's apps that transcribe now. There's apps that can even handle that. Yep. And then you can always take photos using your phone yep. and work up from there. I think what stops people is they don't have the equipment that they think is going to fix it. And ultimately, you're just still stuck waiting to produce content yeah. because you don't feel confident and you're dealing with a bunch of like imposter syndrome, which... I yeah, experience. I still have, <laughs> I still have <laughs> it. Day. I have it a lot. Every day. And so I'm in a place where I'm just preaching to the choir and I'm like, you have to produce yep. and you have to be okay with it not being perfect and get better. Mm -hmm. And if you really, really hate it, go back and change it or take it down or fix it. And by the time you get so far ahead, you're going to look back and be like, I'm just, Whatever, yeah. I'm just glad that yeah. I'm where I'm at now. Is there a piece of content that haunts you that you can think off the top of your head? That There's you one in specific. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can see the light bulb where you're like, or go back and delete it. Well, something. I did go delete it. I deleted it like a month ago and I looked back on it and I was like, this is really <laughs> embarrassing. And now that I work for a brand that has more visibility than I did as an individual, I really don't want anyone to see it's it. Fair. So I just went back and took it down. It's fair. It's fair. Um, I embrace the photos of me younger though. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I love all of those photos. Yeah. Like I'm happy to share those. I don't shy away from that. Yeah. It's just the videos that I can't seem to get. I <laughs> know. Yeah, I get that. They're like living. I know. Yeah. I know. So like I'm producing content now on the YouTube side and I don't know if that's a good investment or not. I've heard rumble is a good one and all that, but it's like, I hate watching myself on video now. Like I'm really good with audio, but that's okay the long form content. So I'll probably delete those in the future once I have more, but I think that people struggle to with starting, right? Like why can't they get past this barrier? Just start, put out the content, post the photos, create the page. Like why won't people move past just getting out there? My personal opinion. I mean, it's partly my own as well um, for my, my own journey, but I think it's because there's like an expectation that you put on yourself that you're not going to do it unless it succeeds. And so you start off on the wrong foot because you're like, I am solely doing this based off of my success. And I think that that's just like too much pressure. I think yeah. that's just like way too much pressure to put <laughs> yourself. Now, unfortunately, someone who works in the industry like myself and you, you can't really afford that. Yeah. You can't afford to not create just because it's not successful. Yep. You're literally hired to create. Yep. So you have to kind of just push that under the couch and be like, no matter what, I've got to do this, whether it's working or not. And I kind of have to pivot and make sure it works. Yep. But I'd say for the average person who wants to get into it, remove as much of that external pressure as possible and yep. just enjoy it. I mean, it's kind of like, it's not fun. They're not going to do it either. I think it's, I mean, just like habit building methods, like you have to enjoy it at least a little bit and you can't just go from zero to a hundred <laughs> and you, you can start, with what you have and do it to the best of that capability. So if it is a phone, 
do your best. Like you can still light your shot. You can still edit your photo. So you don't have to like just straight up not do any work, but you can at least start. Yeah. What, um, what like cheat, I wouldn't say cheat, but like cheat apps, cheat stuff that's out there. Do you use? Cause I know some of mine that I use every day. Um, well for me, I mean, I'll put it this when I started, when I was doing photography in high school and doing like grad photos, weddings, um, just my own personal stuff, creative type photo shoots. Visco was all I used. <laughs> That's awesome. I shot on my, I shot on my Canon Rebel T6. Do you T6. Sorry. <laughs> I do. I do very much. I'm going to use that for you now. <laughs> yeah. Um, shot on the Canon Rebel T6, would take my photos direct to my phone, mm-hmm. open up Visco, start editing and, and post it. I would never, I'd never used watermarks or awesome, like anything. Yeah. And I was making a little bit of money off of it mm-hmm. and I was happy with the stuff I was making and I knew it wasn't good enough, but it was like, it was fun. I was having a lot of fun and I was using my camera probably every day yeah. to do something. Yeah. And so I, I feel like I'm what ammo man's offering to me right now is almost getting back to that type of feeling where it's like, Oh, I can create every day, yeah. creates new things, fun things, unique things. And I'm doing it better than I did it when I was in high school, obviously. So, um, yeah, Visco. And then right now for Ammo Man, I dare I say it, I am using, um, what is this app? It's called PixArt. Okay. It's it's how I'm doing a lot of the the AI. comic graphic stuff it's 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 okay yeah i have to fix a lot of it but it gets it really close AI is close yeah it yeah. gets it close and it gets it's enough for me to do some fun stuff yeah. and then see what i can do on photoshop after yeah so. for sure okay so did you still teach yourself all this by the way or um i took one photography class in high school other than that it's all been pretty much self-taught or freely given to me by like mentors that's awesome though yeah. okay i mean like there's canva which is so easy for people to use now they're doing video stuff there's CapCut. I've hear that and I've tried Canva and I really suck at it. Well, so, but like I've taught someone to use that too. And like, it's easy. I don't know. There's simple templates and, but it's just, there's no excuse, right? Cause these apps are on your phone. You have your phone, maybe yeah. you're getting a good like lavalier, like clip on mics. Like that does help, especially if you're going to do video content. Sure. But that's some of the stuff I wanted you to share for someone like kind of coming up in it. I'm bad with technology. So I'm a bad person <laughs> to ask. Like I really am not a great person to ask about. You're in your 20s. Like, I, I'm good better. at, I'm good at running a camera. I can yeah. run a camera and I'm good at framing shots and I'm good at doing the cinematography in lens and then give it to someone who can edit it. Like that's out yeah. of my, yeah. my strengths right now. And I'm hoping that I, I can gain some of that back. Okay. Um, but I used to really just do photos and edit photos mm-hmm. and now I'm getting back to those roots. Okay. So okay. Chris Baker really covered <laughs> all of the bases so that all I had to do was basically show up and know how to film there you go so there you go how different is it this was what i was gonna ask you earlier how different is it for you to learn to be the face of something and be on the other side of the lens like how challenging was that kind of role because i don't think people realize how challenging it is to be the other side of it um just imposter syndrome i'm a very i know who i am and i'm comfortable with that and i'm not gonna pretend like i'm farther along or that i know more than i do i probably act like i know less than i do (laughs) And I think that's better for me. Sure. Um, but more than anything, it's just kind of like, okay, do I have the right to be in front of the camera? Do I have the authority to tell someone what I think? Sure. Um, that can be a little demoralizing sometimes. And you're just like, yeah, 
you know what, if it's coming from a genuine place yep. and I did my research to the best of my ability and I cross-reference with someone who's more, has more experience than I am, then I'm going to just, I'm just going to yep. put it out. And no matter what, whether it was perfect or not perfect, yep. someone will have a problem with it. Yeah. And that's something that I've, I've learned even just outside of the industry. Like I am comfortable with someone having a problem with me or something I said or did. <laughs> I think that's helped out a lot okay. because I'm okay with a couple of haters. That's okay. <laughs> I might not, it keeps you going. I might not be for yeah. everyone yeah. and that's okay yeah. too. So especially coming into a brand who might have a different target demo than, sure. than what would naturally be attracted to me. I have to be okay with just being like, Hey, like if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, that's okay too. I'll give you a little um, nugget of what's coming, which sucks, is the better you do, the more pro you progress. And I know this about you. So people listening, I'm just going to humble brag on you, Thanks. is that like Kenneth seeks information. I remember you already like talked to me about, hey, I'm going to learn long range. I don't know long range. I don't understand the ballistic maybe with wind or meter environment, the tools needed, right? And like, because you've never done it. You've got some good stuff lined up. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And that's what I do too. It's like you go put yourself in uncomfortable situations to yeah. learn the best you can and you just share what you know. Yeah. And so what's going to come though, is the better you do and the more you progress, there's going to be more people that want to see you fail. There's going to be more people right. that want you to get right. it wrong. And, and I'm people, sure I will. Oh it, yeah. yeah. No, it's coming. It's coming. Then people you thought that wanted you to succeed or whatever. Yeah. It hurts. So you just, you have to keep going yeah. because you're never, ever, I'll tell you this. You're never going to hear someone doing more than you you know, talk bad about you or talk yeah. poorly. You're always going to hear it from someone doing less than you. They're yeah. always going to have something negative. No, that's a great point. I mean, I experienced that even in, in my last job and that I thought that that was the peak of anything I'd ever do. Yeah. And here I am doing even more than that. Yeah. So, and I experienced it there at that, you know, lower on the totem pole. And so I definitely recognize the potential for what you're talking it's about. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think what we're doing is exciting yeah. and I'm having fun learning yep. and hopefully sharing that with anyone else who is anywhere else on that totem pole that yeah. could be way higher exactly where i'm at or way lower yeah i at least think that will be enjoyable it will be it so. will be um i wanted to go into preparedness too because again people i all right i'm gonna admit something that i'm bad at i bet you probably maybe right now have a med kit on you not on me oh okay can it drop very very close by yeah close by but but i will speak to that is that I'm bad about always having that on me. Like it's near, right? Like, but can you speak to how important it is for people to start thinking about their own safety and not just on the gun side, like preparedness, whether it's training, mental, yeah. medical. And I'm glad you made that caveat. Cause I, I think that that's important. I don't think it's about guns, at yeah. least to me, yeah. to me, it's not about that. To me, it's about just taking personal responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And I just think that that's something that everyone did decades ago. <laughs> like, it's just like people were born and expected to be responsible for who they are, the words they say, the actions they take. And I just think that there's just no accountability Anymore. with like yeah. people in general now. Yeah. And it's because there's not that there's not consequences, but that it's not visible. So you see people doing things online and you see them saying things or doing things on video and then you just the video cuts or the post is gone and you just never saw the impact that that had yeah. and so people just assume that there was no consequence or there was no you know repercussions for it and that's just not real yeah and so yeah. to me it's it's preparedness training all of that to me is just about like 
being a decent human being, whatever you believe in. Sure. I have deeper beliefs that root that, but whatever it is for you personally, it's like just taking responsibility for yourself. And if you happen to love people around you, being willing to accept that they might not have taken responsibility for themselves and you're going to look out for the people around you. And that doesn't always mean carrying a gun and shooting someone. Sometimes that just means like, Hey, like I'm going to open the door for you or I'm going to like give you a coat because you're cold or you need a drink or whatever it is. Like, I think that that is more encompassing than just like the tactical training, carrying a gun. Cause I mean, there are times like there are times when I don't carry a gun. Yeah. And people are going to hate that. Yeah. Like yeah the gun yeah. people are going to hate that. They're going to be like, well, then you don't take it seriously. And I'm like, well, sometimes, sometimes you don't want to get arrested. So uh, it's kind of funny. I used to push that boundary a lot yeah, more. And yeah. now I don't. Yes. Yeah. Uh, after my Gal Day event this year, I, I was so tired. I have not, not slept that long it. in so long. But it was funny because I had like four people at my house. I had like 30 ROs come in town from different states. I had, I mean, 16 states this year come in for That's this awesome. event. But I remember being at dinner afterwards and I don't really drink that often, but I had a drink. We're at dinner and we had all like 30 people at ROs at dinner. And my friend, his friend Malin's like, Kenzie, where's your gun? And I shrugged. I'm like, couldn't tell you. My truck was loaded with every gun I owned. Most all of them besides like my carry gun, some were buried was like unloaded. Right. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, has hell frozen over? I'm like, right now, I just don't care. If I die, it was a good day. But it was it's funny you bring that up because it's like That's just real. It's real. It's That's reality. Just real. It's like, no, today I dropped the ball. Today is the I'm day. like, I'm a 90, 97%. <laughs> me too, me too, me too. So she knew it was and, like, and some people and some people have been like, it's, it happens a lot at uh, at weddings because sometimes I have to really decide if I want to look good wear this enigma thing <laughs> with this pants and all that. And have like it's so close to looking right, but uh-huh. I'm just my friend. I'm my just very friend, particular about. It. I'm like one with a revolver, tucked in shirt, enigma. And, <laughs> and I and I love it, and I do it. I I do it at a lot, but yeah. there are sometimes where I'm wearing an outfit that I'm just like, yeah, this would just look a little bit better without it. <laughs> and I'm going to a wedding where there's gonna be some bad mofos there. Yeah. And if anything happens, I I always tell myself that this is what I tell myself. <laughs> are you going? Are you going to put yourself in a situation, or are you going to be so? whatever it is, unaware or like, is your life going to be completely up to whether you have a bullet or not? And I just tell myself, if it really came down to that, then I'm just not a well-rounded person. (laughs) And like, I get that the gun's going to dramatically help, but I'm always just like, if you know you don't have a gun, then don't go anywhere sketchy. Just chill out. (laughs) Don't have any, don't get into an altercation. Be around people who are able to help out. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like account yeah. for those differences. Yeah. And other than, and I'm also, I'm just like, well, do you have any other means of protection? Right. Do you have a knife? Do you have OC? Do you have, right. do you know how to box? Do you or know, training, yeah. do you know how to, do you know BJJ? And I'm like, okay, I have other tools in my belt. Yeah. So if it really came down to just that one thing, then I'm kind of like a one trick pony. So <laughs> right. I just tell myself being well-rounded is more than just the bullet and having that, that, I like that though. Were you, and you are you like raised around guns where this is like normal? No. Okay. No. I'm the only one in my family who has taken like a personal interest. And the only reason it happened is because in the church that I grew up in, I was around multiple dudes who were doing a very specific job at a 3D letter agency. Mm-hmm. And they were just the guys that I grew up around. So they were like the dads of my friends and they were, they, we were the ones going over for pool parties yeah. and all of, 
their daughters, we were going to their weddings. And so for me, it was like, they're the ones who introduced me to it. And I didn't realize at the time that I was with like the cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. But as I got older and I, you know, did research and I was figuring out what I want to do with my life and the military was interesting because of them. And I'm looking into all these like, you know, higher tier government employees or whatever it is. And I'm like, wait, that's what Mr. XYZ did. That's what my uncle blah, blah, blah did. That's what, and I'm like, oh, I was around like, I'm around some really awesome people. <laughs> yeah. And I got really good training and I didn't know it. Like, yeah. I just thought that this was just how things were done. Sure. And then I got into the gun industry and I was like, this oh, is not this I is not lucky. normal. I was yeah. like, I was around yeah. really good people yeah. who taught me a really good baseline stuff and can go from there. And then I also have that to like bounce things off of. And it's not just, again, it's not just military guys. There's, there's people just in the self-defense world that now I can rely on to be like, is that sound or is that like bogus? Cause there's just a lot of stuff out there that's just like Ugh, ridiculous. Painful. And you're painful. just like, I wish you didn't have a platform. Yes. But I'm grateful that you do. I'm grateful that you do. I'm grateful that we have the freedom to do it. But I wish you didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, have we seen all of the guys that are like literally shooting at someone's like head in the videos or like shooting around someone? And I'm like, uh -uh. well, I saw a video like three uh -uh. weeks ago of a guy shot a dude through the shoulder because he was doing this, you know, these different techniques of shooting oh. around him. And then he shot him right through the arm. And I was just like, no, nope. hey, I get it. But I don't. I don't. And then you filmed that and posted that. And that's great. Yeah, for the internet forever. <laughs> Painful. Yeah. Um, but how can we, I don't know if you have an idea of this, like how outside of Ammo Man and outside of like you, just you as Kenneth, like how are you teaching the public or bringing new people or like, what do you think we as a like 2A community can do better? Something I do and something, it's not something that I came up with. Someone did it for me was just meeting someone where they're at instead of asking them to meet you where you're at and just going a little bit closer to them. And instead of telling them that they got to change a bunch of things in order to get into whatever the hobby is, whether it's shooting or self-defense or training, try to mimic them because people appreciate that. So people who were trying to get me into when I was really young, there was a group of guys who were like my friends at the time, they were in Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. And for years, I looked at Boy Scouts as just like the nerds, the geeks, <laughs> like the losers. I was like, I don't want any part of it at all. Sure. They look ridiculous. It looks just, I don't even know what they do. Like, I was just like, I don't get the point. Is it a bad time to tell you now that my dad was the Boy Scout leader for my brother. My mom was a Girl Scout leader for me. And so I ended up having to go to both. Yeah. So you you got you got the whole <laughs> I, thing. I so you probably both. know exactly I like what I saw because yeah. I was just like, yeah. they just look ridiculous yeah. and I don't want any part of this. <laughs> And so I was pretty much committed to that. But then these guys who are all older than me by like, you know, six years or whatever, they're all being so nice to me. Mm -hmm. And they invite me onto their airsoft team. And they're like, we'd like, we'd like for you to consider joining. Sure. We think you like this kind of stuff and you've got some Were training. Eagle Scouts? And I play with them for a couple of months. We were really good friends. And they're like, why have you never shown up to like our Boy Scout meetings? And I'm like, <laughs> you are not Boy Scouts. There's no way. Like you guys are all cool. You're fun. You're outdoorsy. Yeah. You're like, you know, men. Like you're, you're like cool guys. And they're like, yeah, we are like big into Boy Scouts. So they told me like, all right, you're gonna have to like, just give it a try. So right. I gave it a try, and I remember being like 12 years old, and my dad was like, it's up to you. 
you have to commit to at least a year okay or not at all not three months we gave no he's year. like you're gonna do a year and after that one year you're gonna tell me whether you're gonna do the whole thing or not but you're not gonna do like a halfway thing I like this and so i just told him right then i remember like that night going home and i was like i'll just do the whole thing I'll did just, you really i was like i'll just do the whole thing i'll be an eagle scout i was like i'll do it i like these guys <laughs> i want to be with them they're cool and I, you're an eagle scout I'm an Eagle Shut Scout. Up, Tim. What was your project? Um, so it was actually the. <laughs> Do you like that I know all of this? <laughs> it's good. It's honestly, I've never had the opportunity to like tell this story on like any sort of platform. It was really difficult. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of guys like to do the build a bench thing, and I was a junior going into a senior in high school, and I was watching a bunch of these guys do that. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was really crappy at school. I didn't want to do school anymore. I didn't want to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, what am, what am I going to have to stand on if all I did was become an Eagle Scout? And it was like, a, I built a bench. Not that that's wrong. Like that yeah, was, that's yeah. awesome and incredible for a lot of guys. But I was like, I need to do something like More, meaningful. Yeah. And I was like, I need to do something super meaningful in order for me to be proud of it. Because I was like, if it's not big, I'm just going to look at this as like the culmination of however many years I was in for something small. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I like training. I've been training for a long time. Here's, I have, I have access to a lot of people who have expertise in these different areas. I'm involved in my church. I want to do something that has long lasting value. So I was like, you know what? I want to create and design a training seminar and a packet that I can present and give to the, our different churches, but specifically the church that I went to at the time. Mm -hmm to have mission safety and security training for teams going whether across the border or just wow. in the States or out of the country. I was like, I just think that like I had been on a mission trip and I just saw like a tremendous lack. And yeah. I was like, it's kind of depressing that I'm like 14 years old and I'm the only one that has a med kit for sure. Checked a knife, yep. like something yep. has like some sort of equipment to like help our team in case something happens. I've got like, <laughs> water packets like i'm like thinking about this yeah. and i was like i'm yep. an actual child yep there's adults on this trip Correct. and they were like didn't know they what, still exist yeah they didn't yeah. know what to do yeah. so i was just like that's not okay like i would never recommend someone going on a mission trip without this type of training right anywhere right um and also there was just little given to us about the cultural climate we're going into and i was like that's like just mission like you should you should just have yeah. that information yeah so that's kind of what led me to design this mission safety and security packet i did a lot of research i consulted experts in different areas whether it was traveling whether it was survival whether it was uh, situational awareness just different aspects of it different from like the bottom up um, leadership within a team like a small team or a large team how to designate tasks and how to keep people in a collective safer um how to dress like there were just different things that were like oh it matters it still matters what matters and then i left open areas where it was like um you're gonna have to do research on your specific location and so it kind of transformed from like a, i'm gonna teach this to people going on mission trips to i'm gonna teach people who are planning mission trips yeah and they're gonna figure out how to take this program that i've created and then fill in the blanks with relevant information for their team yeah, yeah. so i taught it to another Eagle Scout, um, th they were really heavy on like, you cannot give this information unless it's proven that it's effective because that's not, that's not going to fly. Like we can't use this documentation unless it's proven that it has a positive effect. 
which I agreed with. I was like, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Then again, I was like, I'm not the one making this up. <laughs> I'm pulling this information from experts in their field yeah. who have proven this stuff. I'm just packaging it and consolidating this in information one yeah. in one place that makes sense relevant to this, this topic. Um, but then again, I agreed. So I taught it to um, one of my friends who was doing a mission trip as his uh, project. project. He was like, I'm going to do a mission trip and I'm going to take a couple of guys and we're going to do this project. He approached me and said, Hey, I'd like to give you the chance to prove that your packet has works. Yeah. works yeah. So I'm going to base this whole trip off of your packet. Holy cow. So he, a lot of faith. so he, yeah, so he just, <laughs> he reworked his stuff until it fell in line with what I thought was correct. Mm -hmm. And then we, we went on that trip. He documented everything. It worked. It was great. There were like, when there were hiccups, he used the, the information to pivot. And so I went and took that information, put it into my, my documentation, taught it to a church missions team <laughs> pastor and his staff. And they agreed to implement what relevant pieces there were into their actual pamphlet that they would give out to the church when they're going on a mission trip. So they're like, we'll give this to each person going on a mission trip. We'll take bits of your stuff and nice. put it in there. So that was my project. And that was, that was a big deal to me. It took awesome. over a year to do. Oh, it's a lot. So it's a lot. I was proud of that. I I'm still so have proud it. of you. I was going to say, where is it now? And who's still using it? It's on it. It's on, well, I've got two copies, an original and then the copy. <laughs> handwritten? Um, no, I mean, there are, I, I kept all my notes from it yeah, yeah. Um, and some photos, but I've got yeah. the original copy, which I, it's honestly one of the best documents. I mean, it's like, if you look at documents now, this rivals it. It's awesome. very detailed. Awesome. My father's very organized. Mm -hmm. So at the time he was like, I think the way we're going to make this stand apart is it's going to be like a legal document. Yeah, like yeah, it's going to yeah. be, yeah. Make it look real. It's going to be, it's yeah. going to be legit. So it was, it was, it's a really good document and I kept everything. So I can at any point just pull that and give it to someone and I'm they can so have it. I'm so proud of you. One, two, Boy Scouts done the right way. Super valuable. Because my parents were both involved in scouting that like I turned out the way I am because yeah. of that. <laughs> I need to I, I need to give I need to give some credit because it, yeah. it actually wasn't Boy Scouts of America. We were we were Boy Scouts and then I joined and a month later all the friends, all the older guys that I joined because of, they got eagle and left. Mm -hmm. And so now at the very beginning of my journey, which I had already committed to finishing, was with a bunch of random people. <laughs> and it was like I I was like, I wanna quit. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't. committed. Yep. So it was actually weird how that worked out. But we transitioned our troop from BSA to Trail Life USA, okay. which got started right kind of around when BSA started allowing different leadership and homosexual um, attendees and boys and girls intertwining. So yeah. Trail Life was created to kind of stand stronger on biblical grounds. And it was a lot of leadership that just was coming straight from BSA yeah. directly over. Yeah. And so our troop agreed with those values and just transitioned over and had our same troop number, nice. all the same guys. Yep. And so I'm, I'm technically a freedom range man with trail life USA. Um, but it's <laughs> the only, the only difference is it's still all the same requirements as BSA. I'm just laughing. Cause look how far you come to me. I'm like, poor scout people are weird. And I'm all and about like, it. Then, yeah. All about it. And I'm I, like, <laughs> there was a tremendous value for my life that came from yeah, that. A lot of yeah. the, a lot of the same guys I'm still around now are, my, my friend Ben will always say that I'm the 0.001% of women out there because it's like in my truck. It's like, okay, medical kit, got it. Batteries, got it. Backup ammo, don't know why I have it. Like fire extinguisher, like oh, have a, a hatchet. What do you need? And it's like, good Lord. And I'm like, eh. Yep. 0.001%. <laughs>
<laughs> good place I to be. That too, though. Um, I think preparedness is something on the mental side of stuff. I don't know if you want to talk about that too. Like we talked about the gear and just training, but like, I don't think a lot of people mentally prepare themselves on what they would do in a situation. A lot of people don't yeah. really have that mindset either yeah. of like what it actually takes. Why are you putting on a gun every day? Like why? Like what is your why? Or preparing like me, I'm doing a uh, navigation class in January, freezing cold weather where like everything's gone. Your, your phone's gone. I think you get a compass. Like I got to figure out <laughs> land navigation. I'm laughing because I legitimately couldn't tell you which way is north right now. I just can't. That's not good. No, I know. So therefore, I'm going to do the things that I don't want to do. <laughs> so anyways, putting people in the stressors, I think, is really important, too. I don't know if you're going to say that. Yeah, I think, I think you're, <laughs> you're coming to the conclusion in the question, which is I don't think people will ever get to that mindset without an experience. And, that, and you just have to hope and pray that they have an experience that's really minor, that it like clicks, clicks yeah, not, um, not something really major or something yeah. really traumatic yeah. but like i think most people you ask like how did you get into this there's some story there's yeah. something where they're like oh this happened or this happened to a friend of mine yep. or whatever and then that's what helped it click so i think that you can go to a point with trying to help people realize like hey this is this is important or this is good this is good for you and this is this will add value to your life or whatever it is, or I promise you'll like it. And I think that that just has a limited effect because yeah. it's not, yeah. it doesn't speak to someone personally. Yeah. I think what does have a good effect and what pro 2A or whatever it is, wherever you fall on the spectrum, whether it's guns, hunting, whatever it is, I think something you can do that's positive is just enjoy your own hobby. Yeah. Just enjoy what you do Yeah, and people will see it. Yeah. That is going to be more effective than you like yeah. trying you to... Are you the gun guy now in your group of people? I mean, I always have been. Yeah. Like I always have been. And and that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Yeah. I get like messages on Facebook from people I haven't talked to like 10 years of like, hey, what do you recommend for this? Or hey, like, but I, I'm the resource now. Like, and I'm I think that it's one of those things like it's a responsibility. It like is. you have a responsibility to yeah. if you're gonna do that to leave at least some sort of positive yeah. impact on someone. And people could disagree on that just because they'd be like, "What? why would I have a responsibility? And I think it's just because like, if you don't take responsibility for helping someone in that area, like the consequences are greater. And yeah. it's not just them getting hurt. It's not just them not knowing this piece of information. It's slowly but surely your rights just kind of trickle away because not sure. enough people really know about it. They're not interested. They are scared of it. Yeah. Or there are too many people who are gatekeeping it so i think it has a like a lasting effect if you just simply you enjoy your hobby if someone sees the joy that you have they approach you about it just be willing and excited as often as you can like you can't do that every single time sure. all day every day like it's it can be draining but just like anything make a conceited effort to like try to welcome someone in 100%. even in a small way even if you're like hey i can't talk about it right now or i can't give you a clear answer because i don't know yeah but here's yeah. here's someone who might yeah. or whatever it is yeah. and i feel like that goes like that goes way beyond guns like, 100%, that's just like 100% a decent human being thing just like a normal thing whatever like community or you represent or whatever somebody's hobby is right if you're that person someone comes to and then you're the turnoff that that person finds like they're not going to feel welcome ever again they're going to yeah. have that negative connotation or whatever it is so it's like especially with like 2a stuff for me is like 
guns are really, really polarizing. So it's like if, if you sure. can be super welcoming, that's awesome. If you are even the least bit cold, it's going to go very negative that's for lasting. the whole industry. Yeah. I think, I think the kind of person you are, the kind of hobbies you have, the words you use, the things you do, I think that that is like the culmination of the kind of ambassador you are for whatever it is that you're doing. So like well if you are into guns, you're kind of an ambassador for gun culture, yep. whether sorry, you, not sorry, whether you like yeah. it or not, like yep. you, you just are yep. because especially if someone sees you doing it, if you keep it to yourself really close to your heart and hidden away and no one really knows yeah. about it, then maybe then I'll say you're free of all right. like responsibility. All responsibility. Yeah. Like it's yours. You really kept it a secret. Yeah. You never talked about it. And I think that that's a lot of what majority of people want. Like they really want to just have their hobby and enjoy it and keep like everyone leave them alone sure. in an ideal world. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> but like, and their views and their politics there. And that's fine. It can everything. be separate and it doesn't it's matter, only. but that's just not <laughs> just true. Kidding. And so for me, it's like, I mean, I know that other people have talked about in the industry. Like if you're going to be in front of a camera, and you're going to talk about your hobby, it's going to be really hard to like keep it private outside of that, especially the larger you get. So yep. like yep. I had to make a deal with myself like, okay, am I okay with showing up to events no matter how good I'm concealing, no yep. matter if I mention anything about it at all, I don't mention, like I, I don't, it's like the farthest thing from my mind. Yep. And still someone will be like, hey, like, can you answer this question about guns or something? And I'm like, I don't even know how you like... <laughs> I don't even know why you know that. Like, I don't know why you know. I don't know why you're asking me. I didn't put off anything that would yeah. indicate that. Yep. But people talk and like in yep. my circle, it's just, so it goes farther and then you just kind of have to be like, am I going to, am I going to help someone or am I going to just make it some sort of negative experience? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think the mindset, just to get a little bit back to that is you can look back on your life and maybe how would a general sense of awareness or preparedness have changed anything? unrelated to a gun just like could this situation have been better if i had been prepared for that specific thing yeah whether it was a medical thing whether it was a test in school like whatever it is like a relationship if i had just been mindful and thoughtful and it really is as simple as like this is no different yeah and there is just like a disconnect of like how prevalent is this situation over here that you'll need a gun as a tool to solve that versus everything else and I think a lot of people think it's basically a 0% chance. I don't think it's a, I think it's a chance. Yeah. I don't think it's like a hundred percent chance. No. I, th I think it is a low percent chance, but I just think like when it comes down to that point, when it's the only option, mm -hmm. what are you going to do without it? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I, I just want to take responsibility for that small percentage chance. Yeah. And yep. it's a plus that I like it. Like it's, it is fun. Yeah. I, I do yep. enjoy it. But yep. that mindset comes through some sort of, shared experience or personal one I yeah think. yeah a triggered event i think which sucks because i think that they're getting more and more like room like yeah it used to be like one out of ten people right now i think it's like one out of two or like at least it's trickled and hit some some people into yeah i don't want that to happen but i think that is helping to see the tool that it is that's what it is just another tool just there's another thing yeah. it's same as like a piece of medical equipment yeah. or your ability to think on your feet yeah. and deal with things under stress like there's people who are like really good at that and they've probably never done any training in their life but it's because they've got like ten thousand kids who get hurt all the time yeah. and they're used to solving problems and not letting this fire over here stress them out while they're putting one out yeah for sure. so for people who have a relatively tame life i think 
training is important because they've just never encountered stressful situations. But I think there's people who just have a natural, whether whether it's their job or just where they live or what they do, like they probably already like farther along in their journey of like mindset without really incorporating any of the tools that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I've lived a relatively mild life. And then the few things that I've encountered have been like major ones. Yeah. So that's, yeah. You probably put yourself in those situations. Large crowds? No, no, no large crowds. (laughs) Okay. We don't have to go into that. But um, okay, Kenneth, any other final thoughts that you have, whether it's from like a safety standpoint for someone taking responsibility for the safety, maybe get into the industry, any other final nuggets that you really want to leave people with? Okay. Well, I'll start with the, just the average person just trying to figure out what they can be doing better. Um, Identify who that individual is that you think is on the right path and just see if you can glean information from them. I think it's really risky and really scary going to the internet for advice and information. (laughs) And I'm the person who's probably going to be putting out some information, (laughs) but I would just say like, be very cautious about who you listen to. Yeah. And that being the case, look for the best of the best you can that are around you mm-hmm. physically and get with someone physically that you can begin to go on that journey with. I think it's just like hard to do things alone. Yeah. And I think like if it's really enjoyable to you alone, then that's great. Like I enjoy doing it alone, sure. but it didn't start that way. And I think it's certainly not easier. Yeah. And so I just think if there's someone around you who also has an interest, even someone who doesn't have as much experience, get together, identify who, whether in person or on the internet is the best of the best, Mm -hmm. and then cross check each other and make sure that they are. And then cross check again (laughs) and look around and see who's doing something. And maybe just start with like a class, like just start with a class in person. Um, I, I think that's like a fair place to start. A lot of people, once they get into it a little bit, go off the deep end and that's fine, but you don't need to. Sure. You could probably just hang out in the <laughs> pistol shooting for self-defense for a little bit sure. and get a lot out of that <laughs> and, and see a lot of the good and the bad of who gives information yeah. and get more comfortable. Yep. And maybe another thing I'd say is don't let anyone tell you what pace you have to go or what type of gear you need in order to be an effective individual protector or, or someone who's like, maybe you're not taking your safety serious enough. I would say, don't let anyone dictate your pace and cadence with your training in that area. Just go at the pace that feels right for you and check yourself every once in a while and make sure you're not like outrunning your own ability like make sure sure you're like keeping all of those same really high standards for safety um because when you start playing with guns like it's it's about more than just you like especially if you're around other people like it's not just about you anymore yeah now you have other people who are relying on you to be the best possible individual you could be when handling a gun Mm -hmm. so it's not responsible to be like anywhere like flagrant with safety so i just say like focus on that and enjoy yourself and go from there you'll probably enjoy it for a long time if you do it that way and you probably will burn out less yeah that's for sure um (laughs) for someone getting into the industry honestly i'd like to hear your thoughts bounced off of what i'm going to say but i would say um 
just be totally willing, just be totally a willing person just to like serve, serve and sacrifice. And like, if you're a genuine person, you're probably going to end up with more genuine people and you're probably going to encounter a ton of, you know, people who are not genuine (laughs) and a ton of just crappy people who might go around your, like around your back and stuff. Can't wait to take you to shot show. And, and you have to just be really picky, (laughs) but like, that doesn't mean you serve less or sacrifice, like just learn how to sacrifice, learn how to do something just for the benefit of someone else. Be like, Hey, I think what you're doing, you're on the right track and I want to commend you for that. Is there any way I can help you? Yeah. I don't even want anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I promise you, if you do that, someone will give you a chance. And once you get that chance, you can just foster it. Like I was really lucky to get my chance purely based off of who I was, not my experience. Yeah. And then luckily enough, I had some context and experience to like compound it. And now I'm somewhere way farther along. Yeah. But I think it's, it's difficult when people put a ton of pressure on themselves to be like, Hey, I like what you do. I want to be in the industry. Oh yeah. I'm going to get a camera. They don't see the 10 years I put in. They don't see the five you put in. They don't see the wishing that we had as well. But, um, the genuine, genuinity i don't know how to say that word um but the the people it's hard to decipher when you're getting into it and you don't you're like naive you're excited you think everyone's happy and like willing to help and they're not they're not so it's something where it's like you just keep your head down keep doing you but you'll have less burnout and less like i think harboring illness in your heart if you just do you if you're just happy but if you try to to be overnight famous or overnight yeah. successful, like it's not. That, and that's a good point because that's something I'm dealing with right now is like, okay, I'm, I have this opportunity to where I, I could be doing this and that and all of these other things. And those are great. But I'm trying to remind myself of that exact thing. I just need to put my head down mm-hmm. and just stay in my little niche for mm-hmm. a while and just produce Keep doing as you. much Keep as doing I you. can and as well as I can and try not to worry too much about like what could be. Yeah. And not uh, oversell and under deliver is really like all I, I worry about right now. So. I think the other thing with the industry is like you see the shiny glamorous side. Like that's why the people see you and like, oh, I want your job, right? They don't see the, okay, let me give an example. This is, we can say this is like, it's fun what we do. We get to do some really cool stuff, but I will say like our recent video that took us like eight hours, like that was not exactly fun for us, right? Like I wouldn't change it for the world. We were both tired, exhausted, sick out there freezing, hungry. And it was so hard to get through that day. I wouldn't want to do anything else. But there are people that if that was something that they had to do, right, they didn't see it as a get to opportunity. They're going to be pissed and selfish and not willing to put in that. I I think it just comes down to it might not be worth it for them. It might not even be something that's like selfish or some entitled thing. I think people just since, since there's not as much content built, and that's something I've thought about, like, maybe in the future, I'll get around to like showing more behind the scenes of like, what really goes into it. Like, yeah. And that's more of my like conceited, like, I just wish someone knew. Oh, 100%. I just wish someone knew like Eight what hours. went into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but For it's, some, it'll be a couple minutes. <laughs> but it's not as fun. It's not as fun to watch. And I think that it really comes down to, there's a lot of people who there might be one individual, some guy or girl who wants to get in the industry and they're thinking, I see this side of it and that looks really fun. I have no idea what goes into it. So yeah. I'm going to try it. They try it and realize now that I'm, doing this thing, I actually get to do a lot less of what 
got me into it in the 100%. first place. Like, like I don't get to just shoot on my practice. own. I don't practice ever. Like on my own, Correct. just to like practice nope. very much at all. I'm at like, the range tinkering with a new dot. I've got to test out more ammo. I got a chrono. I got to set up this. Which gear. is what used to be like the love, fun part, right? Now it's like, no, I have to do this whole list, and then I'm like, cool. I did zero practice rounds. Right. Once I got zeroed, I didn't even. So it's a harder balance, and yeah. I think that the average person yeah. probably like. I could be like if if I think if you enjoy the side of it, which is the work side of it, it is fun. then you're gonna get to reap some of the benefits that you had. Especially, but if you really it. enjoy just that one side of it, yeah, you're probably better off just like hobby, pursuing hobby. pursuing <laughs> yeah. a career where you're gonna make yeah. a lot of money yeah. and you can only do the fun part. Hundred percent. Because there's a lot of the other side. Like I like playing with cameras. Yeah. I like doing photos. I really enjoy creating something. <laughs> so when I was- and I'm not good at it like some other people, but I actually enjoy that side yeah, of it. So yeah. the, it just kind of like, I like both. It works. I had to apologize to my pro this year. I'll say this is really funny because we're at the gap grind for PRS pro Nam, and I'm writing an article about it and like doing content. And so yeah. he hated this. I was like, you're going to hate this, <laughs> but <laughs> I care more about my content than I do about my shooting right now. That's where I'm at. Right. Like I, I did PRS to learn. I did learn a ton, but like, I actually want to show people what it looks like to carry this gun and what gear they need and how to get into it. And wrote an awesome article on it that I was mm. proud of. So that was exciting for me because it, again, it's like you, it's like, I still have imposter syndrome because I don't know anything about long range shooting, but I know a little bit, right. And I know what I do know. And yeah. I've been able to prove that it's something where, yeah, you got to love the the journey. And it's like, even like when I look at my competitive shooting, I know people that are just out there for the world title, world title, world title. That's great. I'm not going to be that. I'm not even a national area. I don't care. I'm there to have fun. So Good point. If it's not fun, then I'm not interested in doing it. And then I'm more excited to tell the stories of the shooters, the people in the industry doing podcasting. Like so the way I interpret I that is thing. the way I interpret that is like there's just so many buckets. There's a lot. And <laughs> and you you can empty one out mm-hmm. and you can fill it up later. Yeah. Like and that's okay. It'll be there. Yeah. It'll be there. And so I think like you're right, just within like the the industry side of things, like actually producing new content instead of just like republishing something. But yep. if you're gonna create something unique and new sometimes you have to just invest more on that side. Like I need to invest more. (laughs) I need to invest more on like my hard skills on editing and creating content because I was really only doing one side of it. And now I've got to do the whole thing. thing. 100%. And so I'm going to have to take a step back from doing some of the things that I did enjoy that were more hands-on and on the shooting side and focus on these and then kind of earn that right to put (laughs) more in the other bucket later. Yep. Um, Welcome to entrepreneurship basically. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not good at it, but uh, anything else? Any other? I know we. Thanks so here. much for yeah. like having me on. Like, I, we've tried very hard. <laughs> this is my fault to it's make it happen. Fault. It's my fault. It's not your fault. I do burn out a little, and I do get like I can do this, and then I'm like, no, I can't. So, I I extend myself as much as possible, yeah. and often get in a place where I've I've agreed to do more than there are hours <laughs> in the day. Um, Which is why no one will see what time it is and where we are and how we. But I appre- <laughs> like that's why I appreciate that you Same. were willing to sacrifice your time to do this. Oh yeah, and I'm excited. That's a lot of fun. We got stuff to do. We got life to live. You're going to shot show. We'll get you at NRA. We're Maybe. <laughs> Just if you see Ken in the round with me, say hello to him. He is ammo man. Uh, where can people find you online, um, social media? Yeah, honestly, uh, our website ammoman.com. Make some purchases. That really helps out what I'm doing. If you want to support directly the content, go directly to our Instagram and support ammo man. Um, other than that, I'm going to be doing articles and videos and behind the scenes stuff and producing content in collaboration with other companies and instructors. Like there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Our blog is where I'm going to be hosting majority of that. But if you want to, if you're interested in the ammo man story and some of behind the scenes stuff, 
go to the social media, go to Facebook. That's that's where I'll be posting the stuff that doesn't go on the blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the the tree gun? The tree gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the tree I was gun? there for that. You uh, clipping parts to a rifle, painting. Oh, yeah. When's that coming? That is that's. <laughs> I can't. I don't want to make promises. Okay, but I'll it's coming soon. That. It's really cool, guys. I'll put it this way: WordPress has given me a lot of trouble. <laughs> So the article's done. I'm filming the video, and ideally, it'll it'll go, it'll go at the same time as the first scene from Animal Man goes. So they look kind of jive. I like it, I like it. Kenneth, thank you. Thank you, appreciate Nancy. It. Appreciate it. Also, listeners, stay tuned for another episode of the Radical Up Podcast coming soon. Check out Animal Man. Support my friend Kenneth, and again, tell him say hi or say hi to him when you're uh, at an event. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Radical Up Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.